Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. Happy Resurrection Sunday. It's the Weekly Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome to the show where we don't tolerate sponsors or take calls or do anything like that, but we do celebrate Resurrection Day. We, we pretty much celebrate it every day around here to some degree, and I highly recommend you do the same. One of the things that has helped me to deal with the continuing crisis that is daily life now as we live crisis to crisis is a daily walk with the Lord in the Word of the Lord, in the Bible, and uh, pondering His resurrection every day. And as I, as I go out broadcasting to the world today, what do you call it? As we go out to pod, as we go to pod, I don't know what you call it. Back, back on the radio and uh, on TV, we would say we're going to air. But we don't go to air anymore, we just go to Wi-Fi or cable. As we go to air today, I was pondering this morning that on this Resurrection Sunday, 2022, my dad would have been 80 had he made it. He did not, at least not on this earth. My dad would have been 80. And my youngest child is 13 on this Resurrection Sunday. And so I ponder today life and death and life again which is appropriate on Resurrection Sunday because that's what it's all about. The day when even the heathens give lip service to the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. All right, and now it's also, in addition to being Resurrection Sunday, it's 21 days since China locked down Shanghai. I read an article this morning, is the Shanghai lockdown being covered so widely in the Western media to prepare us for lockdowns later. And I thought, where is the Shanghai lockdown being covered widely yeah. in the Western media? I, anyway, I, so I surveyed every website that I go to for news in all the right wing, some of the conspiracy nut websites, and then CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS, everything. I found one link to one story on the Drudge Report near the bottom of the page that was several days old. Anyway, we'll get to more on uh, Shanghai. But I wanted to start with John Hinckley Jr., the man who shot Ronald Reagan. The New York Post reports that John Hinckley Jr., will be performing on July 8th at the Market Hotel in Brooklyn, New York. And there will be some special guest appearances. He's a musician, and tickets are $20. Uh, no word uh, on the opening act. We understand that Charles Manson is unavailable. Uh, no word if... Uh, all right, I'll leave that aside. I'm not going to say that one. That's it's not. I know this was on April 1st. This is not an April Fool's. I looked into this. He has a CD of his songs because he's on iTunes. Okay. The New York Post 
The New York Post uh, snarkingly says maybe he wants to be number one with a bullet. <laughs> uh, anyway, April. That should be an April Fool's joke, but it's not. John Hinckley Jr., tickets on sale now. Okay, that's where we are. Meanwhile, from the death penalty file, well, by the way, John Hinckley Jr., he should have gotten the death penalty. That should have been in the death penalty file, but it was in the April Fool's file. From the death penalty file, actor Joseph Gatt. Have you heard of actor Joseph Gatt, he asked, his extremely attractive audio engineer. She has not. Never heard of Joseph Gatt. He's a famous actor. Mm -hmm. Well, he was arrested and taken into police custody last week for trying to rape a child. Famous actor tries to rape child. Well, he was actually, they say in the story from the Daily Caller, that he was being investigated for allegedly exchanging sexually explicit communications online with a minor. That's way too many words. He was arrested for trying to rape a child. The LAPD executed a search warrant at the residence of famous actor and cultural icon Joseph Gatt. Uh, the search warrant alleged that he had been engaging in online explicit communications with a minor across state lines. Again, way too many words. He was trying to rape children. He was subsequently arrested for an outstanding felony warrant, reports the Daily Caller, for, again, another charge that's just contact with a minor for... All right, we know what he was doing. We know what all these Hollywood creeps do. You know, now that they've... It started with back in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. It was just serial adultery and divorce and seven or eight marriages. That's where, that's where Hollywood was 40, 50, 60 years ago. And, and, and decent people always knew that Hollywood was a bunch of corrupt and decent perverts. Why? Well, they get married five or six times. Well, now they're raping children. So this isn't going to end well out there in Hollywood. So Joseph Gatz arrested, let's see, LAPD is, has appealed to the public for any information to try to discover if there are any additional victims. If? Not if. The LAPD is not trying to figure out if there are any more victims of a man who trolls the internet searching for children to rape. It's not if there are any other victims. It's how many other victims can they discover to charge this famous Hollywood actor with, by the way, he's, a, he's famous for being an actor on Game of Thrones, which I thought was a video game. I wasn't aware that it's a, it's, there were actors involved. I thought it was a video game, but it's not. No, I think one is enough. The LAPD, if they convict him on one, he should be put to death yeah. for the one. Yeah. And then uh, the others... The others are important, and it counts, but he should be put to death for one. Uh, now, let's go from there. That was the death penalty file, where Mr. Gatt deserves the death penalty. We now go to uh, Katanji 
Jackson Brown. Is it is it Jackson Brown or Brown Jackson? No, Jackson Brown is a band from the 70s. Is it a band or is it a guy? Tanji Brown Jackson Gray is the name. I Brown as I was scared, what's that now? Brown and Gray. Brown and uh, well, you know, I dubbed her uh, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson Gray <laughs> because nothing's black and white with Katanji Brown Jackson. There's always shades of gray, especially when it comes to raping children. She doesn't seem to mind. Um, anyway, as I'm scanning all of the right-wing news sites this morning, and, and left-wing, which they're all left-wing, actually. Uh, the only right-wing web websites left is mine and uh, uh, Real Science Radio, KGov. There, there's only two right-wing re websites left, or maybe they, that ever were. Anyway, I'm scanning them all this morning, and I see that James Dobson is warning Americans that Katanji Brown Jackson Gray will not protect our children. That's a warning directly from uh, James Dobson, who is uh, obviously very wise to recognize that uh, Katanji Brown Jackson Gray presents a threat to America's children. I'm so glad that James Dobson is out there looking out for us because we might not have figured that out on our own. Just retire. Get out. Just please. Uh, anyway, but on to Katanji uh, Brown Jackson Gray. Leo Weeks was convicted in D.C. Superior Court for raping his 13-year-old niece. Yeah, and he was sentenced to 16 months in jail. But when his case finally got before Katanji Jackson Brown, no, it's Katanji Brown Jackson Gray. Uh, let's see, the, he was supposed to go to jail for 16 months. For raping a, really, 16 months? That's shocking. That in and of itself is criminal. 16 months, oh, oh, but he would also get some probation and he would be required to register as a sex offender. That's very yeah, that's very effective. Um, yeah. But anyway, he gets before Katanji Brown Jackson Gray and she says, I believe that your criminal history is having a disproportionate impact on the sentence that the guidelines prescribe in light of what you've actually done here. Said uh, Katanji before she sentenced him to 12 months with credit for time served, which means he got out about five months later and then he raped his sister in law. That's the guy that Katanji Brown Jackson Gray let out of jail. He raped another woman. And what happened to Katanji Brown Jackson Gray? Was she, was she prosecuted for? For letting the, the rapist out of jail to rape again? No, she was elevated to the Supreme Court. And, by the way, just so you know, Katanji Brown Jackson Gray is a perfectly representative example of the American judiciary as it exists right now. And she is the appropriate person to warm the bench, so to speak, for her generation. In this, the post-criminal age of America. Mm-hmm. Now that criminal insanity has been legalized, Katanji Brown Jackson Gray naturally presides on the Supreme Court as well she should. All right.
Speaking of that, we go from Katanji to Kardashian. From Katanji Brown Jackson Gray to Kim Kardashian. In the Justice File, the Daily Wire reports that Kim Kardashian is using her celebrity. Try and say that again, huh? Kim Kardashian, I said, is using her celebrity because what else does she have? That's all she has. She's famous for being famous for being famous. Um, anyway, she's using her celebrity to try to uh, stop the execution of Melissa Lucio. Melissa Lucio was convicted in 2007 of uh, beating her two-year-old daughter to death. And for some reason, Kim Kardashian wants her out of jail. Po uh, Kardashian posted that Melissa Lucio was... Oh, not, not that she was falsely convicted. I'm sorry. I almost... Melissa Lucio falsely pleaded guilty, Kardashian says. She says the two-year-old actually died from a tragic accident. Uh, yeah, uh, Kim says she recently read about Melissa Lucio. That's not true. She doesn't read, please. She probably heard a podcast. She counts it as reading. You know, kind of like Kim Kardashian counts beating a child to death as an accident. Yeah. She says she heard about Melissa Lucio. Uh, her two-year-old daughter, Mariah, fell down a flight of stairs, says Kim Kardashian. And the child later passed away while taking a nap. That's what Kim Kardashian says. Now, the court, back in 2007, records a completely different thing. The court says a pathologist testified the, that uh, at the trial that the autopsy revealed that the child did not die from falling downstairs and instead her injuries were consistent with death from blunt force trauma. The emergency room doctor who tried to save the little girl, the two-year-old, the two-year-old Melissa Lucio was convicted of beating to death. The emergency room doctor stated that it was the worst case of child abuse he had ever seen. The child was observed to have the body was covered in bruises and there was a bite mark on the child's body. And the mother admitted she was responsible for the bite mark, but that it had nothing to do... And Kim Kardashian says it was an accident. Wow. It's just... So this is the state of celebrity in, in, in America. We have uh, the raping children. Kim Kardashian has obviously killed at least one of her own children. And she wants to attribute it to an accident. See, Kim Kardashian has killed one of her own kids. And instead of repenting... She's working to justify herself and others, if necessary, in the killing of children. Kim Kardashian wants to make believe that the child she killed died while taking a nap. And that's simply not going to fly, Kim. Kim Kardashian needs to repent. And here on Resurrection Sunday, we hope she will. But we're not going to entertain any of this foolishness any longer.
It's the Weekly Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney, and yeah, that's... Uh, now, how do you go from just old-fashioned sin and corruption and, you know, like Hollywood was always known to be? How do you go from that to now raping children, advocating for women who beat their children to death? How do you get here from there? Uh, ask James Dobson. He'll, he might be able to clue you in. Well, here, here's one example of how. You, if you make an industry out of murder. I said an industry out of murder. Now, this story, this next story comes to us from the pro-life industry file. Where the industry of murder being administered there in uh, the state of Oklahoma in this case. The House of Representatives in the state of Oklahoma voted last week to ban nearly all abortions. Except, hmm, that's how the story starts because that's how all of them have started for my entire adult life. We're going to ban abortion, except. Mm -hmm. So Oklahoma has voted to ban nearly all abortions except in the case of medical emergency threatening the life of the mother. <clears throat> and the bill specifically does not authorize the prosecution of mothers for killing their unborn children. So we're going to ban it some, yeah, but we're not, there's going to be no punishment if you do it, but we're going to say. And so the governor there, he signed it, of course, because, you know, because he's part of the pro-life industry, which is an industry built on murdering children. Yeah, the pro, you know, they're pro-life, we're pro-life. Mm-hmm. By the way, the bill also, the law now, signed into law by Governor Stitt there, uh, specifically states that emergency and morning-after contraceptives are not considered abortion, even though they're actually abortions. So if it's the morning after you're pregnant, it's too late for a contraceptive. But we're just going to act like that's not true because... Well, we, we just want to reserve for ourselves the opportunity to relieve ourselves of an inconvenient pregnancy, but we still want to be pro-life. Okay. And then, so th this whole week, this whole past week, I guess, Texas and Florida also passed some sort. I think I have another story. Uh, <clears throat> anyway. They, Texas and Florida, it's, you can't kill a child after it's allegedly 15 weeks old or something like that. Somewhere in there, we're going to set a limit. So, folks, the effort to end slavery has officially ended. We've decided to regulate slavery, but only among certain niggers. <gasps> Did that shock you for me to say that? I'm so sorry. We're just going to regulate slavery, but only among certain niggers. So that's the way we're going to we're going to outlaw some abortions, nearly all abortions. That's the way it should strike your ears and your heart. That's the way it should. So there, take that. 
Yeah, in fact, we go in deeper into the industry of murder file, where in Texas, I'm sorry, this is Florida. I get the two confused. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a, a new law. It's a 15-week abortion ban. What does that mean, that he's going to ban abortion for 15 weeks? And then later on we'll do it again? No, he's not going to ban abortion at all. Because whenever you... Do I need to even go into this? The new law contains exceptions for uh, to save the mother's life, to prevent serious injury, or if the, fetal ha- if, if the fetus has a fatal abnormality, or if it's particularly inconvenient to me, then I want there to be an exception. That's what Ron DeSantis is basically saying. He's saying that, and he's allowing everyone in the state of Florida to say that, and then to say that they're pro-life. To, and, and, and then, and, and by the way, saying you're pro-life means that you believe in God. Because only people who believe in God want other people to think they're pro-life. And who's worse? The raging heathen who froth at the mouth wants to murder children? Or the person who goes to church on Sunday and then wants to limit some abortion but then reserve the possibility for themselves. Who's worse? Ron DeSantis and the people who are uh, in support of this industry of murder, they are worse than the froth at the mouth leftist. They're worse. All right. Now, from there, we go to Reason number 1,949 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. We go to, uh, from Fox News, we go to New Jersey, but you could just insert your state's name. The story opens, New Jersey public school students, but you could just insert your state. New Jersey public school students, as young as 10 are going to be taught about puberty blockers, and then the story goes on. And so I've noticed this lately in the so-called right-wing, so-called conservative media, which I claim to be, by the way. I claim to be right-wing and conservative. And if that offends you, then you have a problem. Your problem is with me, and I'm happy to take it up with you. So I was sitting having lunch. I, I, was, I bought lunch for a client because I'm doing business. And the client, the client mentioned uh, the genocide in Ukraine. The genocide in Ukraine, which is a, a buzzword. So for me, that's a trigger word. <laughs> the leftists have their triggers. Well, so do we. So she triggered me. And I said, I said, genocide, genocide in Ukraine. I said, do you know what genocide means? And I can tell you, folks, one thing you never want to do is challenge a college educated person on the definition of a relatively common word that they obviously don't know the meaning of (laughs) because they're immediately offended. And there was no coming back from there. It was downhill from there, folks. I asked her if she knew where Russia was founded, and she did not. She was further embarrassed. And then at the, finally at the end, she said, you know what? I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I don't want to talk about this anymore, which is her way of saying you've won this argument and I'm upset about it. I don't want to talk about this anymore. If you find yourself saying that in an argument or in a debate, you have lost. She brought it. What's that? She brought it up. Uh, I forget exactly how it came up. I, I think it came up. It, it, we're talking about business and why are why are why do people why does there seem to be some hesitancy in the market? And I said, you know, I think that what we've been through with this past election and now with the midterms coming up, everybody's kind of waiting to see, are we going to have elections again? And uh, she was obviously offended at that. And so somehow that gets to uh, Ukraine and the genocide. In fact, I got an email from her business partner uh, asking for follow-up on someone that we had been discussing. And I, I almost sent back, I think they might be in Ukraine committing genocide. That's why you haven't heard from them. But I had to restrain myself. <clears throat> All right, now, wait a second. We were going to be, oh, oh reason number nine, 1,949. New Jersey public school students as young as 10 are going to be taught about puberty blockers and trans. So uh, uh, let me get back to the story here. I've noticed that the so-called right-wing conservative news, which Fox News is allegedly conservative, they're not. They're a pile of festering liberal scum. Socialist apparatchiks are what Fox News is. Anyway, they are, they are inserting the age of the children, and I've noticed this, as if this is the issue. We should be shocked because children as young as 10 are going to be taught about sexual perversion. Well, is that really the issue, that they're 10? Fox is a left-wing, demonic... I don't, I don't want to get into demonic, okay? I don't really believe in uh, demonic as you might think. I don't think there are demons making people do things. Or, but this is just evil. Fox News is part of the news media apparatus, the organ, that just keeps moving the debate to the left. Just the, the debate keeps moving to the left. So the right has very little chance of ever winning again because everything's been moved so far to the left that to win would still be left. Children as young as 10 are going to be taught about puberty blockers in New Jersey and your state and my state and everyone. And that Fox News goes on. Students as young as second grade are going to be given lessons on gender identity. Shocking. Sample lesson plans were given to parents. And the state senator there, Holly, a Republican, said that uh, these lesson plans are overboard for young kids. It's because the kids are so young, you know. If the kids were 12 or, well, I'd be older than 10, don't you think? Lesson plans for fifth graders were produced by an organization called Amaze. And the program is called Puberty and Transgender Youth. And this is not good for a fifth grader or a 12th grader or a 31-year-old to learn about this kind of perverted insanity. This is a mania sweeping the country. And uh, it's not good for anyone to get swept up in it. Not, not a 10-year-old, not a 5th grader, not a 2nd grader. Not your uncle. 
And then, uh, should I read what this... Whether you identify as male, female, gender, queer, or something else, you're perfectly normal. If you get counseling, you may be referred to an endocrinologist. Endocrinologists specialize in hormones, and they're most likely to prescribe puberty blockers for someone who wants them. Puberty blockers are medication that will stop your body from changing. That's, that's from the, uh, the AMAZE program, Puberty and Transgendered Youth. It, so, folks, this is medically criminal. That, that was a medically criminal statement that was just made. That statement violates everything, every well-intentioned thing the FDA was created to do. That statement violates. Puberty blockers are medicines that will stop your body from changing. So if a manufacturer of a drug, a medication, were to say something like that about their drug, the FDA would, uh, well, the FDA was created to sanction that type of statement. And this type of medically criminal statement is being allowed in the schools. It's being taught to people as if it's true. And no one at the FDA cares. Nobody in the justice system cares. Nobody in the administration cares. Nobody in the Congress cares. Because we're returning to the dark ages. We're returning to the dark ages. But with an enormous amount of technology and surgical and medical capacity, enough to commit civilizational suicide. You know where you're going. You know exactly where you're going. New Jersey school teachers, administrators, the the people who organized a maze. I don't even want to get into what that might stand for. But puberty and transgendered youth. Nobody should be even talking about it. Uh, speaking of all that, now I was trying to unsubscribe uh, last week or a few weeks ago. From the inspiring quotes push that I get in my Yahoo. I tried to try to unsubscribe from that and the COVID updates. And I thought I did it. I went into my Yahoo settings. I changed all my settings. And the inspiring quotes keep coming. And the COVID updates keep coming. Yeah. The coronavirus fear propaganda on a daily basis. I don't get those. I get them. <laughs> and I can't stop them. I don't know what happened. Ah. Uh, all right, so you want some more inspiring quotes? Listen to this. 
Here we go. Uh, from uh, let's see, you have to have confidence in your vision, or else no one else will trust in it. That's deep. That's from a childless 39 year old fashion designer, Mary Cantranzu. <laughs> Who cares? Who could possibly care what a childless 39 year old fashion designer has to say? Here, I, I, even worse, here from Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks, who is the author of intersectional, that whole leftist intersectional. Anyway, here's her cursor quote. The choice to love is the choice to connect, to find ourselves in others. <laughs> okay, so that, that belies her ultimate worship of herself and her, forget intersectional, her transactional use of other people in order to worship herself. To find herself, which means to worship herself. Bell Hooks, by the way, died confused and childless. And I'm a firm believer in taking no life guidance from childless pagans. I'm sorry. I don't really care what you have to say. So I looked up Bell Hooks because I had no idea who this person was. But I'm like, why would such a vacuous quote make it into Yahoo's churn of inspiring quotes? It's because Bell Hooks is a leftist icon, and in, in her Wikipedia page, I'm assuming it's a girl. I don't really know. Bell. Anyway, uh, on the Wikipedia page where most personal histories would begin with other people, like, you know, the, the parents, grandparents, whatever, her, her biography starts in the true spirit of her ultimate worldview. It starts with her, only her. And, of course, it focuses on her sexual identity because that's what we focus on now. She described herself as queer pas gay. Queer as being about the self that is at odds with everything around it. And it has to invent and create and find a place to speak and thrive and live. <laughs> that's Bell Hooks describing herself. So she identifies as uh, <laughs> the the author of uh, uh, intersectionality. Yeah, she identifies as a generally ill-tempered misfit, trying to pawn herself off as uh, creative. But she lacks both the the discipline and the education to ever achieve even modest creativity. And so her net contribution to society was nothing more than just another layer of angst and suspicion and hatred that will lead to 100 million deaths in what would have been her children's lifetimes, but she had no children. Well, she had the bastard child called intersectionalism, which is uh, intersectional racism is all it is. So that's Bell Hooks. How does that compare? I just finished George Washington's biography, well, I, a, a biography of Washington. George Washington, the indispensable man. And I just want to let the author know, James Thomas Flexner, hey, Jim, I could have gotten through several biographies of George Washington without ever wondering about his sexuality. Okay? I didn't need to know. I didn't ask. I didn't want to know. What does that even mean anyway, Mr. Flexner? James Thomas Flexner, the author of George Washington, The Indispensable Man. 
had to address George Washington's sexuality. Does that mean you want the public to know about your sex life? Is that is that you want us you think we want to know about George Washington's sex life? Is that why you put that in there? Is that a person's sexuality? Is that what that means? Because if that's what it is, I don't want to know. Just uh, you know, keep it to yourself. Thank you very much. Washington did. He kept it to himself. But the author, Flexner, he couldn't. He had to talk about it. And so I looked into who is this guy? Who is this who is this guy writing a book about George Washington? He published the, the book in 1974. Which, by the way, 1974 is the year uh, that, that there was the unofficial declaration that America was going to be obsessed with sex and divorce and more sex above all else until we all die. That seems like it happened right around 1974. And so Flexner, the author, as you read his book, you can tell that he's obviously intimidated by George Washington. But you can tell that the author feels like uh, an effeminate, worthless, or, or just less than able man as he studies George Washington. Because Washington lived in an age when men could pull off not only genuine passion for a cause, but, actu- but a lifelong marriage to one woman. Oh, oh and the founding of a country. And so Flexner, it appears to me anyway in the book, that Flexner, he wanted to bring Washington down to his level, you know, like a middling divorcee writer, uh, art aficionado, just soft, effeminate. Anyway, the fact is, Mr. Flexner, George Washington was just a better man than you. That's all. And he was a better man than you present in your book, by the way. He was responsible for bigger and more daring and precarious audacity than Flexner was willing to honestly portray. The, he, instead, Flexner goes for the postmodern George Washington, who doesn't exist, you know? the po- George Washington, but, you know, everyone was gay. Or, or at least they were like us, you know, soft, middling, not very impressive. But George Washington simply was not that, Mr. Flexner. He wasn't like us, at, le- at least not when it mattered the most. He wasn't like me anyway. <laughs> he was better. <laughs> and he didn't just uh, stumble by chance or, or swashbuckle ignorantly into great moments and just general greatness as Flexner mostly portrays in the book, like George Washington is an almost accidental hero. That's, I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. I think George Washington was truly great, and, and he was great on purpose and without apology, even if it made the more effeminate and the lesser men in his midst feel uncomfortable, Mr. Flexner. <clears throat> George Washington was always giving uh, a due to providence in the hand of God. and You know, Washington, they say, was not a Christian. They say he was a deist. Flexner insists he was a deist. I've heard that my whole life. I intend to ask George about all that in heaven. 
find out, get to the bottom of all that. Anyway, um, let's see, the indispensable man. George Washington was, well, quite simply, he was a better man than his biographer. He was a man of his time and quite possibly the most humble and wise man since the Apostle Paul. Oh, but what about his sexuality? Okay. To even ask that question or to make an allusion to such a thing is to diminish oneself and to diminish the people that George Washington gave birth to, to diminish America. Mr. Flexner, you diminish America by even bringing that up. Eh... And in that, in that regard, your biography of Washington, Mr. Flexner, diminished you. Well, at least in my eyes. And diminished the nation. You diminished everything. Because everything done since 1974 seems to be diminishing everything. Anyway, uh, a discerning student can get a good deal from the book, so I do recommend it just for its historical value. So it can help you understand history, and it can also help history students recognize the decline of historians and their books. <laughs> so there you have that. That's my, uh, my ode to Flexner and Washington. Uh, n- meanwhile, we go from there to reason number 1950, to get or keep your children out of the government schools. The governor in Virginia signed a law that requires the school to notify parents when they're going to discuss sexually explicit material. (laughs) No, listen to how uh, AmericanGreatness.com, which is a so-called right-wing site, listen to how they put this. Virginia Governor Greg, Greg, hold on, Glenn, I'm sorry, I don't even know who this guy is. He's so small that I don't even care. The Virginia governor signed a law that requires government schools. No, I added government schools. The Virginia governor signed a law requiring schools to notify the parents of students if any sexually explicit material is to be taught in the classroom. (laughs) Taught? Is that what we call that? Taught? So you take some dirty pictures and dirty magazines and you show them to people and now that's teaching? We used to say that the, that was showed or shown, not taught. Uh, anyway, the bill was authored by Republicans. Huh. Imagine that. We're going to tell the parents. We're going to require the school to tell the parents when they're going to show dirty pictures and tell dirty stories to their kids. Okay. Parents will be allowed to review the sexually explicit content and may be allowed an alternative. Okay, well, how about parents shouldn't be viewing sexually explicit... Okay, but this is the Republicans. A similar bill had previously been brought to that dirty, rotten Democrat, Terry McAuliffe, and he vetoed it. Just so you know that Terry McAuliffe's a dirty, rotten, low-down Democrat. And our fine Republican uh, governor, Mr. Glenn Youngkin, he wants to make sure parents get to uh, review the, the dirty material that's taught to their kids. 
not like that dirty, low-down Democrat there. Uh, Yunkin had signed, an, had signed, he also signed another education bill aiming to provide greater transparency and honesty in the school system. So that should be greater transparency and uh, greater honesty. So the thing is, there's either honesty or dishonesty. Greater honesty means dishonest still, but more transparent, which means we're still going to do the dishonest thing, but we're going to show you all the details. We're going to give you access to lots of details, details that before you didn't have to worry about because criminal insanity wasn't legal yet. Doug McBurney, welcome back. Thank you. I was very disappointed uh, to see Nuno Betancourt playing guitar for Julian Lennon in a remake of Imagine. It was very yeah. sad to see. I, I know. I know you would you would have hoped. To, anyway, it's not that surprising. They're all a bunch of communist scum. Uh, I believe it did have something to do with all that genocide going on genocide. in Ukraine. Yes, of course. Uh, meanwhile, <clears throat> I was on a plane because I was traveling, um, and the fellow in the seat next to me was, I would guess, about 60 to 65 years old, and he had the contoured N95 mask with the double strap. You know, the one with the pleated mouth part and the, and the curved nose part and the double strap. The guy was serious, okay? <laughs> So they give us the pretzels on the airplane, and uh, uh, the masked uh, gentleman next to me, I was wearing my fake mask, which is made of, like, nylon stocking material, <laughs> so that I can breathe freely. Yeah. Yeah, this is the kind of mask you would have worn to rob a bank back in the day, <laughs> before criminal insanity was legal, but bank robbing was not. So, Mr. Contour Double Strap N95 Mask takes the pretzels and he lifts his mask just enough to slide the pretzel down past his nose and then lets the mask go. It smacks back into his face and then he chews on his pretzel, but now the mask has become crooked, so he adjusts his mask with 
his free hand after each pretzel. He goes through this process with 16, 18 pretzels. Lifts the mask, slide just enough to slide the pretzel in, and then, and then he adjusts the mask after every chewing session. This goes on for five or six minutes. Anyway, as the guy was starting to fall asleep, because then he starts to nod off. As he starts falling asleep, I wanted to... Anyway, I, I fantasized in my mind that I grabbed his shoulder and shook him. Dude, you're a dead man walking. Did you know the virus is smaller than a pretzel? It could have slipped in. Any one of those bites. And then while you were adjusting the mask, I'm sure I saw it lift away from your face at least twice. It was terrifying. The virus could have slipped right under there, man. You need to get tested as soon as we get on the ground. Are you okay? Anyway, a guy like that just shouldn't leave home. You shouldn't even leave home. All right. Um, <clears throat> into the politics file. Uh, for Breitbart reports that uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Yeah, Ron DeSantis again. Yeah, uh-huh. Has signed a, a new law. Well, no, I'm sorry. He's signed an, a $70 million initiative that reportedly will provide resources for fathers to help to help children, fathers, and families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see uh, provide resources, what that means is to give money earned by one group of people to another group of people who did not earn it, which is called socialism, which has been signed by Ron DeSantis, who's the conservative savior of the state of Florida, and he's a communist. Here's how, here's how Ron DeSantis is going to help children, fathers, and families. He's going to help them through the Department of Juvenile Justice and the Department of Children, Families, the Department of Children and Families, which, I mean, that sounds like it's right out of the Soviet Union. We help uh, we help families through obviously the Department of Families. Ha! Ah, we have a department for that. Why? Because we're a bunch of communists. So free people have children, fathers, and families. Communist socialist maniacs have a department of children and families. Uh, so anyway, Ron DeSantis is going to sign this communist uh, law. To steal money from productive people and give it, after the, he takes his cut, he gives that money through the department to programs. He's going to help, he's going to help children, fathers, and families through the department with programs. <laughs> okay. Um, so, of course, uh, NFL Hall of Famer Tony Dungy, famous conservative, he shows up to speak on behalf of the communists departments and the programs because you know he says it's important for fathers why was tony dungy there uh, probably because one of his charities is getting a cut of some of the money that's what i'm gonna guess uh, in fact uh, i don't have to guess uh, it's in the story here that one of his charities is getting a cut and so tony tony dungy uh, uh, by the way, he offended leftists on Twitter. That's the story from Breitbart, is how Tony Dungy's in trouble with leftists on Twitter because he's so conservative. Speaking up, 
for you know the programs that uh, are going to be run through the department uh, for children, families, and fathers. And Tony Dungy talks about how important fatherhood is while he supports giving millions of dollars through departments and programs, which have destroyed fatherhood, Tony. But maybe Tony didn't notice because he was busy playing ball. Very important uh, leader of America. Uh, so the, the so-called right notes how Tony Dungy is attacked on Twitter by the criminally insane, as if we should care more about what the criminally insane think than the fact that the most conservative leaders in the government and in the culture are socialists who are actually destroying the family and don't even know it. That's what we should care about. That Tony Dungy doesn't realize that Ron DeSantis is destroying fathers by stealing money from them to run them through the department through a program. All right. I think I've said about enough about that. Anyway, here's a story that I almost threw away. I almost threw away the story because, you know, you only have so many stories you can do. And uh, I wasn't going to do this story, but then I realized how devastating this story is and how if this happened in my life, and someone looked at the story and decided not to do it, how devastating that would be to me. So this is from the murder-suicide file from Roosevelt Park, Michigan. There's a woman in the car with her young children. The father of the children is in the seat next to her. His brother's in the back seat. And the brother shoots and kills his brother in the front seat and then shoots and kills himself as the mother and the children flee the car. Wow. Just horrifying. Uh, Fox Channel 17, local Fox News, says an apparent murder-suicide in Roosevelt Park. Uh, the surviving mom, Alexis, says that it happened because of mental health issues. She says the suspected shooter... Quinte Hunter had exp had expressed feelings of self-harm and depression in recent weeks. Quinte shot his younger brother, Darian, before killing himself. And the surviving mom, the, the surviving woman, the mother of the children in the car, says we had noticed that he'd been acting kind of distant and withdrawn a lot lately, said the mom. Uh, the mom, uh, Alexis, the, is, is Darian's partner. They have two children, ages two and four. They were in the car during the shooting. Really, a shooting? It was a murder-suicide. They were in the car during a murder-suicide. Murder and the mom says, quote, I'm angry by the way this happened with my kids. It's like they know what happened, but they don't know what happened. Well, Mom, they know what happened. They do know what happened. Uh, Mom goes on. She says, I haven't really took the time to understand and really sit down and think about all the trauma I just experienced. She says that uh, there were warning signs of mental health issues. And she goes on to say, 
So her husband's in the car next to her with the, the kids in the car. His brother's in the backseat. His brother shoots her husband in the head and then kills himself. And mom says, when people tell us things, especially things that are horrible, like they want to kill themselves or they're not feeling good, we should believe them. She goes on to say, it's really hard to think you're going to be okay, but I just know I will be. Well, I'm sorry, Mom, you're not going to be okay. No. And so, you know what I want to know, Mom? What horrible thing was there? What did, what did Kinte find out that made him shoot his brother Darian, the father of your children? What did he find out, Mom? Because we, you, you know, Mom, what's going on here. Mom knows what. This isn't mental health issues. That's a, that's a phrase you use to cover up for what you really know is going on. Anyway, it may not come out on this side of eternity. But it will come out. And on this Resurrection Sunday, I pray for these kids. Just horrible. Wow. Your uncle shoots your daddy and then kills himself in the car with you as mom grabs you and you f run for your life at the age of four. Two years old and four years old. Uh, but um, a GoFundMe has been set up, just so you know. That's, maybe that's why mom thinks she'll be okay, because a GoFundMe's been set up, and we all know that if a GoFundMe's been set up, yeah, everything's going to be okay. All right, now, from the decline and fall file, the Federalist reports that uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh-huh, yeah, he signed a law that prohibits age-inappropriate classroom instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in kindergarten right up through the third grade. Did I already do this story last week, or is this the same... Uh, um, let's see. It requires parental consent for any health care services offered at the school. Uh, and uh, the Federalist, where I got this story, the Federalist says there is nothing controversial about the law. It certainly does throw a spanner into the works for the radicals, neurotics and degenerates in control of corporate America, the established media, the establishment media and Hollywood who are evidently on board with schools serving as platforms for perverts, predators, and groomers. Well, I appreciate the, the Federalist pointing out the perverts, predators, and groomers in the schools. Very few people outside of uh, this podcast do that. Um, the, uh, the predators, the perverts, and the groomers, according to the Federalists, are obsessed with hypersexualizing children. And see, here's where I, I, the folks at the Federalist, it's not about hypersexualizing children. The problem is sexualizing children. Hypersexualizing, okay? Do, do you understand what you're doing there at the Federalist? That you're giving the left the victory in the argument by implying that you can sexualize children to some acceptable degree. But these, these perverts have just gone too far. We're going to draw the line by golly. At third grade, you're not going to be able to... Fourth grade's fine, apparently. No, fourth grade's not okay. The 
Authors of the Federalists go on that uh, decades ago, Marxists ditched class warfare in favor of sexual politics as a vehicle for executing their communist revolution. And they have been redefining marriage, family, uh, sexuality, and gender to the point where tolerance and diversity now means porn, perversion, predators foisted on our families. Those who won't stand for it are cunningly condemned as bigots. And how is it that you won't stand for it? What does that mean? If the, the, the psychopathic, criminally insane, perverts, groomers, and predators in the schools, in the government, are going to foist all of this perversion upon your family, how do you not stand for it? How does that happen? Well, unless you're willing to do something... Like, number one, get or keep your kids out, number one. Number two, uh, get arrested, stand up and say, I'm not going to stand for it, and physically stop them until they put you in handcuffs and throw you in jail, and then take them to court. So here's the thing, because our side is not willing to do that. In fact, our side should actually go into the schools with handcuffs and arrest the teacher as they do it. That's what we need to do. You go in and you arrest the the bastards right there in the classroom with a video camera. Put handcuffs on them, a citizen's arrest. And then say, let's go to court and let's find out what these people are teaching. And if you're going to throw me in jail for arresting this pervert as he tries to molest children, well, then I'm telling you what, then that's the end of whatever we had going. Whatever we had going is over. If you're going to throw parents in jail for stopping people from reading dirty stories and telling, uh, for, from, from showing dirty pictures to kids, if you're going to arrest parents who try to stop that, then whatever we had as a country, as a civilization, as a, as a society, whatever we had going is over. And we're going to have to start something new because we're not going to stand for this. Or, but it's a, the sad thing is, America, you are standing for it. And because you're standing for it, they're going to put you on your knees. And you think that you're just going along and everything's going to be okay and you're going to get to keep what you got. You're not going to get to keep any of it. You're going to lose all of it. You're going to lose all of it. Because you've given the, the tyrants, you've given them the authority over you. And you're afraid. You're afraid to go to jail. You're afraid to be uncomfortable. You're afraid that maybe they'll, they'll sentence you to prison or even kill you. Well, there was a time uh, when guys like George Washington were around when just over taxes, over taxes, they decided to risk their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor, all of that. We're talking about them trying to rape your kids in the school and you won't get off the, the Instagram and the Netflix long enough to go down and it's no wonder you're losing your country. You, you say you won't stand for this, but then you stand for it. This is what you're going to get. We go through to the uh, conservativeplaylist.com. Report on Shanghai. When faced with the reality that lockdowns have failed everywhere, that they've been tried, lockdown advocates push back by claiming that such lockdowns are not up to the Pyongyang standard of, author- of authoritarian... Ah of authoritarian rule. Try to spit that one out. 
So just like the communists say, well, communism's never worked because it's never been done properly. The lockdowners are saying, well, the lockdowns just haven't been locked down enough. That's why they haven't worked. Well, now in Shanghai, we're finally witnessing what the, the Pyongyang standard is. The most ferocious lockdowns to date. A hard lockdown. This is the type of lockdown that's been dreamed about by Anthony Fauci and others, other hysterics, the people at the World Health Organization. This is what they dream about. Forget the tyranny in Wuhan. That's not tyrannical enough. This, what's happening in Shanghai, this is the real thing. And it's resulting in... Uh, Reports of suicide, starvation, civil unrest, and generally hell on earth, which is what, what they want for you, is hell on earth. They want hell. They are representatives of hell. They are in hell, and they want to take you there with them. And if you don't get up off your knees, they're going to do it. Folks, we are uh, how many days in now? This is 21 days into this lockdown in Shanghai. 21 days into the lockdown, and China continues to register record amounts of positive COVID cases. Cases, cases, cases. And they use that as an excuse to lock down, lock down, lock down. And then the China's people's, the China, uh, the, the newspaper there, the alleged newspaper, the People's Daily, says that China adheres to a dynamic COVID zero policy. And its socialist system will ensure the success of the zero COVID strategy. And so the strategy isn't to eliminate COVID. The strategy is to just start killing people to reduce the number of cases. It reminds me, I read about this avian flu that's broken out amongst the chickens in North America this past few months. So the solution on the part of the farmers to stop the spread of the chicken flu, the, the bird flu virus, is to just kill all the chickens who might be infected. And I'm here to tell you that these people, Anthony Fauci, the World Health Organization, the, the Food and Drug Administration, the Biden administration, the, the, the ruling authorities are not above just starting killing people to stop the spread of COVID. They're not. They're not above it. In fact, uh, Fauci said he was on Andrea Mitchell's show on MSNBC discussing the COVID lockdowns in China. And she asked Anthony Fauci, how concerning is the outbreak in China? As if the epidemic is still the scary concern. She asked that. And Fauci says, uh, these are strict lockdowns. You'd never be able to implement these in the United States. Uh, and the, and, and, they, and they, they prevent the spread of infection. And I remember early on, they were saying, and I think accurately, that China was doing better than anyone else. You use lockdowns, you use lockdowns to get people vaccinated, and then you open up, and you won't have a surge of infections. The problem is the vaccines they've been using over there in China are not as good as the vaccines here in the United States and in Europe. Uh, so, number one, they don't have people who are protected, and uh, they also, the, the, and B, the people who need it most are not getting vaccinated. That's the source of the problem in China. Not the tyranny, no, not the killing people, not the starvation. You might have to do that to keep the case low down. I mean, we want to do better than anyone else, right? Says Anthony Fauci. It's not the tyranny, never mind. So this guy needs to be stopped. 
So someone needs to go in and actually physically arrest this guy. Someone has to have the guts to actually arrest this guy and arrest the perverts in the schools and start a fight over this. Because if we don't start a fight over this, we are going to lose a war in this. And I don't want to see that happen for the sake of my children, for the sake of yours, for the sake of the future of Christian civilization here on Resurrection Sunday. That's it for the Weekly Worldview. I want to thank you. I'm going to thank my friends at Real Science Radio and, of course, my other brother, Daryl, who makes it all happen. Here in the Weekly Worldview Studios, should the Lord tarry, we will return. And until then, may the grace of God go with you and may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you. I'm sure...